For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. OnX Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt and find more birds this spring. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. That's seafoamworks.com to learn more. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance access deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some Axis Deer sticks sent right to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I Venison.com and use promo code CAL for 20% off your first order. From Meat Eaters World News Headquarters in Bozeman, Montana, this is Cal's Weekend Review presented by Steel. Steel products are available only at authorized dealers. For more, go to steeldealers.com. Now, here's your host, Ryan Cal Callahan. A Canadian man has been fired from his job after he says he saved a moose calf from a black bear. Thanks to everyone who sent me this story. British Columbia resident Mark Skage told the Canadian Broadcasting Company that he was traveling in the northern part of the province when he noticed the female calf alone on the side of the road. He says he didn't see an adult moose anywhere in the area, and the calf was nearly hit by several cars. Skage decided to pull over and try to scare the moose off the highway, but when he opened his car door, the moose trotted up and hopped in. Was this baby moose on a whirlwind hitchhiking tour to escape her overbearing parents and find her true self? Maybe. Probably not. Skage says he saw a black bear about 50 yards off the road, and the moose apparently decided that the strange man in the metal machine looked safer than the predator in the woods. Kind of a devil-you-don't-know-is-better-than-the-devil-you-do scenario. Anyway, Skage waited another few minutes for the mother moose to show up, but eventually decided to keep driving and give the BC Conservation Officer Service a call. He took a video of the moose riding shotgun, and she looked surprisingly calm almost like she'd been waiting her entire life to break away from her small-town existence, spread her wings, and learn how to fly. But her Kelly Clarkson fantasy was not to be. Skage transferred the calf to conservation officers, and she was taken to a rehab facility several days later. Skage said he knows that it's usually best to let nature take its course, but he doesn't regret his decision. Unfortunately, his employer, AFD Petroleum Inc., didn't see it that way. They said in a statement, quote, instead of reporting the situation to a conservation officer, the individual made the independent decision to transport an uninjured moose, a wild animal, in the front seat of his company vehicle for many hours. This not only put the employee and other road users at risk, but also potentially caused distress and harm to the moose. 
Skage was fired from his job and may have to pay a fine pending a Conservation Service investigation, but he still maintains that he did the right thing. I'll admit I didn't sit there for half an hour going over every scenario and who I'd upset. or I just went, you came for help. I got to give you help. Now, making the mistake of helping the calf moose is very human. But the big question is, should he have been fired for doing this, right? Calf moose freaks out in the cockpit of the big rig and sends it careening off the road. You know, certainly an argument there. Let me know what you think at ASKCAL at TheMeatEater.com. This week, we've got pandemic, Arkansas access win, and survey says... But first, I'm going to tell you about my week. And my week was real interesting. Old Chet and I put the hurt on the walleye in the morning after a spirited debate of whether or not we'd regret not taking an additional five minutes that morning to purchase night crawlers, we found ourselves with nobody else around consistently putting 14-inch walleyes on ice. I've mentioned these folks before, but a Colorado company called BioBait makes a bunch of fantastic, fully biodegradable SPBs, or soft plastic baits, only they're not plastic, and the Walters were hammering them mostly in the earth tone three to four inch uh, swim bait category. Then, after cleaning the catch and the boat, I rounded up some friends and family and met the crew of a C-130J gunship when they landed here in Bozeman. A friend I met through Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, his son is actually one of the pilots. They invited myself and Phil the engineer. I got to bring uh, my sister and brother-in-law and the niece and nephew over. Super fun. Four... 4,600 horsepower turboprop engines, a 105-millimeter howitzer, a 30-millimeter cannon, Hellfire missiles, laser-guided bombs, a 175,000-pound max payload, which, by the way, is the equivalent of roughly 35 F-150 trucks. And on top of all that, just the sweetest crew you could ever imagine, which is really awesome. On top of being hunters and anglers, these guys took almost two hours at the end of a 10-hour day to answer a bunch of questions and corral little kids as they crawled through and on everything in the ship. Super cool. Very proud to have guys like that around for a lot of reasons. Thank you, guys. A couple of fun facts for you. That 30-millimeter cannon can fire high-explosive rounds, which are about the equivalent to a hand grenade, 200 times a minute. Actually, more than that, but the barrel will melt down. And the C-130J is the uh, home to the only flying 105mm field artillery piece, which launches 55-pound shells, the recoil of which moves the plane 10 feet, and they can fire 6 to 8 rounds per minute. It's just wild to think about. It really is. Fellas, if you're listening, we'll get some fishing in next year. On top of that, If you are dying of heat and escaping by dreaming of ducks flying, geese honking, cranes and snows faint on cold morning breezes, Snort and I are right there with you. It's officially too hot right now. If you want to transport yourself away to a magical fall scene, we're going to help you do that by dropping some of the brand new 2023 First Light Waterfowl line on the website here shortly. And shortly after that, we'll be using the stuff. It's going to be great. Oh, you know what I should say here is it hasn't happened yet, but 
you will be hearing this uh, on the back end of the Ohio Muster in the Marsh event for Ohio Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. So I'll just say, hey, thanks for attending, showing up, rallying for conservation, spending some hard-earned cash, the great conversations, and, uh, you know, hopefully some big old smallmouth bass or something like that. Anyway, moving on to the pandemic desk. It's been a while since we had an update over at the pandemic desk, but listener and biologist Brian Peterson wrote in to tell me about a new study that sheds light on one of our favorite questions from the past few years. Can deer spread COVID to humans? The study, published last week in the journal Nature Communications, analyzed 8,830 samples collected from wild white-tailed deer across 26 states and Washington, D.C. They concluded that humans transmitted COVID to deer at least 109 times and deer transmitted COVID back to humans at least three times. They reached these conclusions by analyzing the strains of the COVID virus found in these samples and comparing them to publicly reported samples from databases of human infections around the world. Scientists clarified in a press release that white-tailed deer do not play a major role in spreading the virus to humans, but they still want to study deer because they worry that the animals could act as reservoirs for the disease. They found that while the Omicron variant overwhelmed other variants in the human population, Older versions of the COVID virus remained active in whitetail. That would be the alpha, gamma, and delta variants you may remember from the early days. Further study will be necessary to determine whether this could result in a resurgence of COVID down the road. It's also worth pointing out that none of the three people who caught COVID from deer said they had any interaction with whitetail. The study's authors say they weren't able to speculate exactly how that transmission occurred. In other deer disease-related news, biologists at the University of Wisconsin-Madison believed that ticks could be spreading chronic wasting disease among deer in the Badger State. This study was published in the journal Scientific Reports, and it concluded that ticks can harbor transmissible amounts of the protein particle that causes CWD. Biologists analyzed ticks in a lab as well as in the wild and found that engorged ticks harvested from whitetail in Wisconsin carry enough CWD prions to infect other deer. One scientist described the ticks as little CWD tic tacs. Isn't that cute? And horrifying, by the way. Deer may contract the disease from ticks because they engage in something called allo-grooming, also called social grooming. This is a behavior in which uh, young high school students in the bleachers and social animals clean or maintain one another's body or appearance. For deer, this means cleaning each other in hard-to-reach places and biting insects from one another's hides. It is theoretically possible that a whitetail could contract CWD from another deer by eating the ticks off its body. I say theoretically because this study did not investigate this hypothesis. It only confirmed that ticks contain enough CWD prions to infect a deer. Not that CWD is actually spread this way. Still, if this theory proves to be true, tick suppression techniques could be another arrow in the CWD mitigation quiver. In that battle, We need all the arrows we can get. Thanks to listener Ryan Van Landet for sending this one in. Moving on to the public land desk. The Arkansas chapter of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers notched a big win last week with a land purchase that increased access for hunters in the state. Board members Brad Green and Scott Knight led the effort to develop a relationship with a landowner and eventually purchased one acre of land 
That single acre surrounds a road and gives the public access to 103 acres of the Cedar Creek Wildlife Management Area. The purchase also gives the public another access point to over 150,000 acres of the Muddy Creek Wildlife Management Area, a cooperatively managed portion of the Wachita National Forest. After purchasing the acre, the Arkansas BHA will donate it to the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission, which will oversee its management. Prior to this purchase, the public could only access the Cedar Creek WMA via the Muddy Creek WMA to the south. That's a serious hike, and it made accessing Cedar Creek difficult. The current landowner had allowed access through his property on the northern border of the WMA, but previous landowners had not been so friendly. Because the WMA lacked any permanent legal access, hunters and anglers were forced to rely on the good graces of whoever happened to own that particular property. As we've covered on this podcast many times before, relying on landowners for access to hunting ground is a dangerous proposition. Property changes ownership all the time, and someone's personal financial trouble can mean hundreds of outdoor folks can no longer access their favorite hunting and fishing spots. Arkansas hunters don't have to worry about that anymore, at least not on the Cedar Creek WMA. BHA Arkansas Chapter Board Member James Brandenburg said, quote, Our chapter is grateful for the opportunity to partner with a willing seller and the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission. Securing this access shows what is possible when we put our minds to solving access problems here in Arkansas. Nice work, Arkansas BHA. That's amazing. It's a dream. Well done. Now get out there and enjoy that land you already own. For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without on X. The hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. Onyx Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com hunt and find more birds this spring. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time. Seafoam motor treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. It's really simple. When you pour it in your gas tank, seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can in your gas tank and let it clean your fuel system. You probably know someone who has used a can of seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. I guarantee you've listened to them because I use it, you know, regularly. People everywhere rely on seafoam to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way they should the entire season. Help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. You've heard that name before because I've talked about them here on this podcast. They're on a mission to balance Axis deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. Now, it's wild Axis deer, which is an invasive species, but this operation is monitored and observed by the USDA, and they can commercially sell Axis deer. Last time I went out to uh, Maui to hunt Axis, I did not kill one, which is where 
Maui Nui Venison would come in very handy for folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful and still want to have something in the freezer or uh, handy in the form of a snack stick that is as close to getting your own as you can get, which is what Maui Nui Venison is. You can become a snack subscriber, get some Axis Deer sticks sent right to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I Venison.com and use promo code CAL for 20% off your first order. Moving on to the waterfowl desk. Waterfowl seasons are still a long way off in the U.S., but duck hunting is at top of mind in the Australian state of Victoria. A decades-long campaign to ban duck hunting has grown so strong that the province's trade labor unions are threatening to strike if the government bans the sport. Thanks to listener Stu Davis for sending us this story. Yahoo News reported that the Electrical Trade Union State Secretary Troy Gray all but guaranteed a strike. Get it tattooed on your arm. It's gonna happen. It is not a message. It is not a threat. It's going to happen. How's that for a quote? Other trade unions for transport workers, plumbers, and construction workers also said their members are upset about the ban and will stand behind them if they choose to strike. A mass walkout would shut down infrastructure projects across the state and would likely be a disaster for the Labor Party, which currently controls the state government. Of course, it's not a great sign when you have to rely on labor unions to fight battles for hunting rights and public access. The campaign to ban duck hunting in Victoria began all the way back in the 1980s. The number of duck hunters has decreased significantly in recent years, and in 2022, only 11,549 hunters took part in the season that stretches from March to July. Meanwhile, 66% of the public opposed duck hunting and animal rights groups have grown more powerful in state government. None of this is good news for the duck hunting community in Victoria, and they have even more reason to be concerned. Last year, the government decided to shorten the season and decrease the bag limit to just four birds. Government officials described this decision as a, quote, precautionary approach. They cited concerns about wounding ducks, poor behavior by some hunters, and supposed long-term decline of water bird abundance. Wounded ducks are the primary way animal rights groups have changed public opinion about duck hunting. They traveled to wetlands during the hunting season and supposedly rescued wounded ducks. They also bring duck carcasses into Melbourne and use them in street demonstrations in front of Parliament. They get lots of media attention for stunts like this, and their tactics are working. We'll see if the labor unions have enough clout to ward off this year's ban, but I don't think anyone is hopeful about the long-term future of waterfowl hunting in Australia, which is a real bummer. But these labor unions could also bring ducks into downtown Melbourne, along with barbecue grills. That, my friends, is the most effective way to convince people that duck hunting is a good thing. That and pointing out the loads and loads of poop on public property. Good luck down under. Uh, I'm waiting on my invite. If I can get Snort down there, it'd be a guarantee. (coughs) Moving on to the survey desk. Speaking of public support for hunting, the Outdoor Stewards of Conservation Foundation released a survey earlier this month that contained some concerning trends for hunters here in the U.S. It found that 77% of Americans approve of legal hunting. That's a 4% decline since 2021, when 81% of Americans said they either strongly or moderately approve of the sport. 
However, contrary to some of the coverage you may have seen, this year's mark isn't outside the historical average. Lower percentages of Americans voiced support for hunting in 1995, 2003, and 2011. This survey has been conducted 10 times since 1995, and the average approval rating is 77%. So, exactly what it was this year. What's more, 86% of U.S. residents agreed that regardless of their opinion on hunting, it is okay for others to hunt if it is done in accordance with laws and regulations. Only 9% disagreed. That doesn't mean everything is hunky-dory. While approving numbers are down a bit, disapproval numbers are about one and a half points above average. 17% of Americans said they either strongly or moderately disapproved of legal hunting, which is higher than the average of 15.6% since 1995. The survey also showed a drop in support for some of the most common reasons hunters go out into the field. Approval of hunting, quote, for the meat, dropped from 84 to 75% between 2021 and this year. Approval for hunting for wildlife management dropped by 5 points, and approval for hunting to protect humans from harm dropped by 7 points. To protect humans from harm, for wildlife management, and for meat are the top 3 most approved reasons for hunting. I won't bore you with the full rundown of all the data, it's super interesting, but you can look it up for yourself in an article by Eli Fournier at TheMeatEater.com. I'll leave you with just a few interesting observations. Deer, turkey, rabbits, and ducks top the list of species that Americans are okay with being hunted, while elephants, lions, and cougars are at the bottom. Strangely, Americans voiced a higher approval for hunting black bears than hunting mourning doves, which throws a wrench in the idea that we care more about animals with eyelashes. 64% of the survey respondents said they consider themselves conservationists, but only 55% of non-hunters said they'd ever taken trash that wasn't theirs out of the woods. Among hunters, anglers, shooters, and trappers, on the other hand, 80% said they'd picked up someone else's trash and disposed of it themselves. Good work, everyone. That's what I like to hear. And don't stop working. You got plenty to do. Moving on to the overseas desk. While Australia considers a ban on duck hunting, some folks in the United Kingdom think it's time to start eating more venison. There are more deer on the British Isles than at any point in history, according to experts who spoke with the English newspaper iNews. Between native species such as red deer and invasive species like muntjac, biologists believe there are over 2 million deer on the islands. To put that in perspective, Oregon, which is just a little larger than the UK, only has about 400,000 deer. Virginia, another place biologists say is overrun with deer, has less than 1 million. While some deer species are a natural part of the UK's ecosystem, too many deer can threaten woodland landscapes. Without any natural predators, these populations have grown out of control, which is why about 350,000 deer are culled every year. Even though 350,000 animals is a lot, it's still not enough. So the Forestry Commission and the government are working on a solution. Right now, it doesn't make economic sense for grocery stores and butchers to stock venison. The health and safety standards are too high, so most venison sales are direct to consumer through specialist butchers and restaurants. But DEFRA, that's the Department for Environment, Food, and Rural Affairs, recently announced a new industry standard known as, quote, Wild Venison Quality Assurance Scheme. This new health standard is safe for consumers, but it will help big grocery stores more easily stock wild British venison. 
the government also has some PR work to do. Grocery stores can stock all the venison they want, but if the public still believes venison tastes harsh and gamey, they'll still have a deer problem. Changing public opinion can be even more difficult than changing government regulations, but right now, it looks like the British government doesn't have much choice. Moving on to the snake desk. A group of python hunters in Florida just bagged what some say is the longest Burmese python ever captured in the U.S. The giant female snake clocked in at 19 feet and weighed 125 pounds. The previous record was 18 feet 9 inches. 22-year-old Jake Wallery found the snake in the Big Cypress National Preserve, and like any self-respecting 22-year-old, he made sure someone filmed the catch and posted it to social media. If you want to check it out for yourself, search Glades Boys Python Adventures on the old Instagram. Here's Jake describing what happened that night. And then around one o'clock in the morning, we stumbled upon this giant snake that I thought was just a good-sized snake at first, maybe 10 feet, and then we cruised up real close to it, and I realized it was an absolute monster. And we wrestled this thing for about three minutes before I got a hold of the head. Um, it was a fight, and it was, it was a good one. Definitely one to remember. Jake and his crew are donating the snake to the Conservancy of Southwest Florida so biologists there can learn more about the python population in the Florida Everglades. The invasive species is a huge problem in the area, and despite the best efforts of python hunters, biologists believe the population is not only stable, but growing. Still, it can't hurt to get this giant female off the landscape. The average Burmese python lays about 50 eggs, but they can lay as many as 100 in a single clutch. In fact, another python record was set in Florida this month when a snake was captured in the Everglades with a nest containing 111 eggs. The capture was carried out by a contractor working for the state's python action team removing invasive constrictors, or Patrick for short. If you'd like to catch a record-breaking python of your own, there may be some money in it. The 2023 Florida Python Challenge is running from August 4 to August 13, and cash prizes are going to the folks who remove the most snakes from the Everglades and for the longest snake caught. To register, just search Florida Python Challenge on the old Google machine. That's all I got for you this week. Thank you so much for listening. And remember to write in to A-S-K-C-A-L, that's AskCal, at TheMeatEater.com and let me know what's going on in your neck of the woods. On top of that, hit up www.steeldealers.com to find a local knowledgeable steel dealer near you. They're going to get you set up with what you need and they're not going to try to send you home with what you don't. Thanks again and I'll talk to you next week. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance Axis deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some Axis deer sticks sent right to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I venison.com and use promo code cal for 20 percent off your first order outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems things like hard starts rough performance and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup 
Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on Seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. That's SeafoamWorks.com to learn more.